This episode of Point Shot is brought to you by BenchClears. You can now visit BenchClears.com and use promo code AREA51SENTME to get 10% off on your order. So that is any of their air mesh style tanks and shorts, all of which are NHL officially licensed product. So you can support your team all summer long with Bench Clears. everybody welcome back to episode 23 of point shot we've got uh bill with me here uh today of course i'm your host sean big day for the canucks today as tomorrow is when the expansion lists are due and permanent and vancouver quite frankly just has expansion slots to give there's really no reason to be protecting guys like cole lind all due respect to cole lind there are much much better players being exposed because their teams just don't have the room uh, to protect them all. So this will be kind of an, uh, a special expansion, uh, I guess, expansion list deadline preview <laughs> in anticipation of some Canucks moves. Come on, Sean. Lynn's <laughs> a steal, man. Second round <laughs> steal, right? Why is why is no one taking Cole Lind? Why is nobody taking Cole Lind? This will be... Uh, just Jim Benning saying it again after the end of the expansion draft. Why is nobody taking Cole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm happy with Colin. I hope he stays a Canuck. I just don't really see why they would need to protect him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like how how many games did he play in to to end the season? Like I want just to a say max three, three, four, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and. Those weren't the most inspiring games, I don't think. So, I mean, like the fans who are starting him in as like the three C next year. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're going to be pretty disappointed if when when that's not going to happen. So, you know, I talk about this all the time, but just expectation management, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole Lind, who played his very first year at center last year, he did fine, like he did good, but to expect him to make it make the jump to the NHL to a third line role that's integral and needs to be filled and then into a position that's not his typical position is a lot to ask. Like (laughs) let's, let's set our expectations so that we give Cole Lind a fair shot. Like this isn't being negative towards Cole Lind. Let's give the kid a fair shot because that is, that would just simply be ridiculous expectations. Yeah. I mean, let's just like, 
pump the brakes a bit here, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. But we've come a long way from the 2015 days of starting McCann at <laughs> three at one C, Vertanen at one right wing, right, and then Sven Berchi on his left side. Here so. And Nikolai Goldobin as a <laughs> as a first line winger. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So, you know, we we made some progress, even though it, it hasn't been the best progress, but you know, we'll it, take it's, it. It's somewhere. Anywhere up is good. Um, we just yep. want them to get there faster, obviously, so that we can watch some good hockey for once. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we have the ex- the opportunity here to really improve our team uh in a in a very unique circumstance for the Canucks. So it's actually funny that you brought up McCann because we've got uh, Pittsburgh's list out and McCann is not protected. Uh, so we could potentially see him and this would be a pretty savvy pickup for Seattle. We could see him in Seattle or if the Canucks were interested, they can make a move for him um, and pick him up on the cheap because Pittsburgh's kind of ready to cut their losses with him anyways, or risk it at least uh, with expansions. So could we see yeah. a reuniting of, of uh, Jared McCann back in Vancouver? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was quite shocked to find out that he wasn't protected because, because he's mm-hmm. bought him into a pretty reliable three C at the very least, right. Who, who could plug into Pittsburgh's top six. Now, again, of course, like he played with Crosby and, Crosby and Malkin. And um, I mean, those guys could even make me look, well, that may be a bit <laughs> far, but <laughs> you know what I mean. So, yeah. McCann being 25, I think, uh, I think he's the perfect age for the Canucks looking for a long term 3C. And he's actually been decent on the defensive side of the puck as well, which might be, I don't know, maybe a bit surprising to hear. So, I'm not sure what the asking price would be, though. It'll probably be draft picks. Do you think like a second plus something else would be able to get that done? Yeah, or I even wonder if they would, if a team would consider doing like we'll take um, a B, excuse me, B level prospect in return because they were kind of going to end up with nothing at the end, anyways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't imagine that they would give them away for absolutely nothing because if that was the case, they would just let Seattle take them um, instead of losing two players. So, you know, like would they do it for Coland or a Jonah Gadjevich or a Jet Wu or, you know, a, a future draft pick of some kind. One thing that I've been really surprised by is just how high uh, the, the prices are right now. Like, Looking at the Ryan Graves trade that happened yesterday, like no way I would have gone that high, you know, like all due respect to Ryan Graves. I think he's a, he's a decent defenseman, but like a second rounder and a, and a B to C level prospect. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't think I would have done that to be honest. So it's going to be interesting. Like even, even taking into consideration the Arvidsson trade, like a pair of mid round picks that was a steal. So, you know, it's tra- hard to kind of gauge what the prices are going to be for, for these guys. Cause Arvidsson goes really relatively cheap. And now as we get closer, you would think that the prices would decline even further, but 
Ryan Graves is is traded for a good amount there. Duncan Keith trade was pretty ridiculous, obviously. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> like, like I've, I've never rings, laughed John. so hard. The cup rings, three <laughs> rings, right? You know what? I think might be my favorite thing to come out of that is uh, is Oilers fans looking at uh, Miko Koskinen and thinking that they could get a similar return for him, and it's like, okay, but you traded for a guy with a Conn Smythe and three rings. What does Koskinen have? <laughs> <laughs> like, like all due respect to just how terrible this trade is. Keith was a hell of a player. Like he was. did have, yeah, he did have that. He has that reputation behind him and that name recognition that, that will cause GMs to kind of like get all fuzzy and, and lose their, lose their focus for a bit and make a silly trade. What does Miko Koskinen have? That's going to like hypnotize some GM into giving up. Uh, prime assets for him i just it, it's it's pretty funny you think ken holland's just like like he's getting up there in age right and and he's trying to just go over his stats and and, and he's not quite <laughs> sure how to look at his like hockey db page and he's looking at his 2011 stats and thinking oh you know what this guy's pretty decent so like, wow this guy's good <laughs> this guy's yeah. gonna be really good yeah yeah you i mean what? like ju- just for Barrett and a third round pick i mean I know he he probably thinks that he, he got a steal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, man, I'm, this guy's yeah. gonna win Norris's. This is gonna oh, be yeah. great. You know what's funny about it is like they asked, they were asking him about like, look, like this is a 37 year old defenseman whose prime days are behind him. Like, mm-hmm. what were you thinking, right? And he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not scared of birthdays. I've had lots of birthdays. I've seen lots of birthdays. It's like, yeah, dude, that's how that's how just aging works, but. You know, I'm not going to be going for a guy who's collected the most birthdays. Like, <laughs> he's he's like, I'm 66. It's like, yeah, but you don't play, Kenny. You don't play. <laughs> <laughs> you can be 100 as long as you're making good decisions in the front office. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. And I think what, what might have happened was Edmonton was probably interested in Suter. But yeah. he maybe didn't wave. Like he didn't want to go to Edmonton, right? Uh, which is just bad timing, considering he just got bought out. So the orders or the, the contract, just, yeah, yeah, couldn't handle that contract because it was pretty crazy. Like I wouldn't have touched the suitor deal either. But yeah, now he's bought out, mm-hmm. and like they could they could have had a better defenseman in in Ryan Suter for free yeah. in free agency. Like. Yeah, I'm just guessing that Suter probably didn't want to go there. So could be. Um, yeah, but I was pretty shocked to learn that Suter was bought out as well. Um, I think Parise was not Parise expected, made sense. Yeah. but made some more sense. Suter's he he's still a good top four D man, you know. And yeah, what is he? Is he also 36? I think. I think but, so because they they had matching deals, and I think they were the same age and everything. Like, mm-hmm. um, here, let me just pull it up. Yeah, he's 36 as well. 36. So, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing too. Like, obviously, there's a little bit of risk associated to Ryan Suter. Like, he could drop off at any point, but he's still a capable top four D man as it sits right now, and he's able to munch minutes. Um, I would be much more inclined on taking the risk on a Ryan Suter post buyout, of course, uh, than Duncan Keith. So 
especially with uh, the acquisition cost factored in, right? Like if it was like, yeah, we could take Duncan Keith, 50% retained, it'll cost you like a third round pick. Sure, right? Mm -hmm. But no retention. You lost Caleb Jones and a third that could become a second, but won't. Uh, And you get Keith and... Soderland, who will never play in the NHL, <laughs> you know. I just, I don't know. That was, uh, that was crazy. So, was, I mean, yeah. as the Canucks kind of ramp up here, there's a lot of holes, obviously, for them to fill. We've got most notably, they're looking for a third line center, um, potentially somebody that can play in the top six as a winger, uh, and then lots of blue line help. If Seattle is taking a goaltender, which it sounds like they could be taking Holpe, uh, whether that's with Canucks retaining or what have you, it looks like they could be um, taking Braden Holpe off Canucks hands, which then also creates a spot where they need to fill in with a with a backup goaltender for Thatcher Demko too. So we kind of need everything here in Vancouver. Uh, I actually, I've just, I've got, pulled up here uh reese jessop at that's underscore offside uh posted a list of different expansion targets that canucks could look at uh some guys that you know may not be exposed or may not be protected or won't be protected um that could really nicely fill in and and uh fill important roles for the canucks um I'll just kind of run through a few, like through the list quickly here. And if there's any names that pop out to you, I know there's a few that pop out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll, we'll pull them up and talk about them. But uh, so we've got Sonny Milano uh, out of Anaheim. Now, of course, Andre Kasha, Eric Robinson, Ryan Donato. I like Eric Robinson. That's a, that's a target. That's yeah. the target, especially since he'll probably come in at a pretty cheap price. Um, yeah. I don't think he got lots of ice time playing under towards last year, so I don't think he has lots of leverage in terms of contract talks. Agreed. And he's he's shown well. He hasn't actually had much experience playing out like a third line in a third line role. His underlying stats indicate that he might have some success on that kind of. I think he could play center, right? Um, I'm just pulling that up. Yeah, uh, he's a left wing. But, okay, you know, for a depth guy, I think yeah. that'd be. And he comes in at nine seven, uh, nine hundred seventy five thousand for next season, mm-hmm. and then he's a UFA. So yeah, and like these are the things that we always harp on, right? You have to discover these guys before they hit the market. Like you exactly. have to find the Blake Coleman's the Barclay Goudreau's before they hit UFA this year. And that's what made Tampa makes Tampa so smart because they had both of them combined for less than 3 million for two playoff runs. So Eric Robinson is a guy that I think the Canucks should be interested in for sure. Yeah, you definitely like you nailed it on the head, right? It's just finding these guys before they become these huge big name free agents, right? Like, you, you have to buy low, and I think that's what I like so much about a lot of this list is that they're they're relatively, they're not household names for most people, um, but they're b- good buy low candidates that 
show a lot of promise to excel in bigger and bigger roles as time goes on. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, you could just bury him in the minors. Yeah, no I mean, less than a million. You're yeah. not even, yeah, you're not even paying out a million bucks, so it'd be easy to slip him down to Abbotsford and uh, not not worry about it from there. Yeah, exactly. So you know, skin off your back. Who else was on that list? Uh, we've got uh, Ryan Donato, Warren Fogle, um, mm. which I know everybody likes. Uh, Colin Blackwell, but it looks like he's going to be actually protected by the Rangers. Um, Jason Dickinson, which I really like Dickinson as well. Yeah. Yakov Trenin, which uh, out of Nashville, which would be a really cool um, cool one as well. Johan Larson. He'd be a good target too. Um similar to like the Robinson kind mm-hmm. of mold. How how much is he signed for? Uh, I think he's like if I remember correctly, he's only like uh seven fifty. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's cheap, cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven twenty five. Yeah. And he's got uh looks like one more year left. I'd say him and Robinson are the, the two names that jump out to me the most so far. Yeah, I, I like that those two for sure. And both would be super cheap, right? Like that's the thing. You, you can't like to me, there's no way that you couldn't get those guys for like fifth round picks, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um Christian Fisher out of Arizona, which I'm I'm a big Christian Fisher fan. I, I really like what he does. He could be a third line center. Um Lane Peters Peterson, um Tanner Janot. Blake Lizotte, uh, and then obviously McCann and Zach Aston Reese out of Pittsburgh. Uh, then on the blue line, here's a few different other options Marcus Patterson, uh, Brett Kulak, Travis Dermott, Carson Soucy, uh, <laughs> Troy Stetcher, <laughs> <laughs> bringing him back right on. Uh, I, I miss I miss him. <laughs> um, Everyone miss him as a stash man. <laughs> yeah, who does it? Uh, Vince Dunn, uh, Brennan Menel, Kale Clegg, Ilya Labushkin, um, Riley Stillman, Dean Kukin, Ben Gleason, Matt Benning, and Dylan DeMello. And then, of course, like Ross Colton and and Matthew Joseph as well. But is DeMello not going to be protected? By the Jets, you think? So it's it's I it's they should, but I don't, I don't think they're going to right because uh, um, he's he's one of the guys that I wanted the Canucks to target last off season. Yeah, exactly. yeah, because he's the type of guy who's super underrated, but he's shown the ability to play alongside some star quality defensemen, right? And log good minutes, right? Yeah, uh, during his time in Ottawa, he was alongside Shabbat for lots of minutes. And then this season, this past season, he played, I think, mostly with, um, who did he play? Morrissey, I'm guessing, maybe? I want to I say Morrissey, but I could be wrong there. Yeah. So I know with, with Winnipeg, they've got Josh Morrissey, they've got Logan Stanley, uh, they've got Dylan DeMello, um, and I'm missing somebody. I'm, Neil Pionk. Pionk's the big Pionk, one. Pionk, yeah. yeah. So I think 
oddly enough, I think they're probably leaning towards protecting Morrissey and uh, Stanley from my understanding, which is a massive mistake in my mind. Um, like That's who cares if you lose either one of those guys, you, you want Seattle to take Morrissey. Um, but uh, that would expose Dylan DeMello who has three years left on his deal at 3 million. Which, which is a pretty good deal. Yeah. I mean, he's only 28 years old. He's a right hand mm-hmm. defenseman. He's got a modified no trade clause, but I don't see why he would nix a trade to Vancouver, for example. Yeah. Um, I think he'd, he'd make a pretty good partner for, for Quinn, especially being like a steady right-handed D-man, right? In yeah. sort of like the tan of Hamnick mole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I like that that target a lot. I'm, I'm really shocked that <laughs> that could that could end up happening right just because of well morrissey's deal is so bad like i don't even know why you'd bother protecting him um yeah morrissey should be the one who's exposed but but <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna happen can you imagine saying that five years ago like everyone was was so so high on this kid right and oh, like he's still huge. like a decent player but it's just his contract and his reputation kind of exceed um exceeds his actual play on the ice yeah. And I mean, especially when you're paying like six and a quarter million for the next, what is this? Six, seven years, seven years. Yeah. That's insane. So, <laughs> like, no, thanks. I'd be, I'd be exposing that real quick. If they want to take Morrissey, absolutely be my guest. I would actually be trying, potentially trying to sweeten the pot to, to get them to take him because like you said, it's reputational, but what you're actually getting out of him on the ice doesn't match that. And he's only 26 years old, but he should be a lot further off now and and earning that kind of contract that he's been given. It's it's a huge that's a huge contract. Yeah, and just going back to what you touched on earlier about Hopi potentially moving, mm-hmm. I think we've heard some rumblings of maybe like Hopi plus a second for Seattle to take him. Yeah, I saw Drance put that out. As, yep. Like, if that's something that is on the table, he viewed it as a no-brainer. I, I have some pause on that, but you know, seconds are recoverable. Me too. Because let's say it happens, right? Let's say Hopi is um, picked by Seattle with no retention, and then maybe Schmidt gets moved as well. That opens up ten plus million this off season. Yeah. And I've been saying forever that this this next season is a wash and, and, and we shouldn't care much about the contracts except for the ones on the because those go into what should be our contention years, right? Like the Schmidt and the Myers contracts. But everything else expires after this season. Mm-hmm. But if we could actually move on from Schmidt and Hopi this offseason, that changes everything. We could yeah. potentially actually move our contention window forward and include our include this upcoming season in that. I'm not sure if that would be the right move, but it's a lot more possible than it would have been if neither of those players are traded, right? Yeah. So I mean yeah, that that literally changes everything if if Seattle can be incentivized in some way to take Holby while also trading Schmidt without any retention on either of those deals. Yeah, that'd be a huge game changer. I mean, we look at how tight 
the Canucks cap situation has been up to this point. And if you're able to clear up 10 million, not only are you now able to fill all of those holes that you that you have, but you're potentially able to fill them quite well um, with with good players that are able to uh, be plugged into those situations for a longer period of time instead of trying to find uh, stop gaps to to get you to that to next season or beyond, right? Oh, wouldn't it be the most anything ever for him to um, let Hopi get picked by Seattle, trade Schmidt, open up ten million, and then directly sign Landeskog eight years <laughs> at, or seven years at ten million, right? <laughs> and yeah, just so, say, you know what? We're just good. Put it We're all done. in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see Landeskog here, but not for not for ten million. No. <laughs> um, like What's I, going I look on with at those like uh, negotiations, man. Like oh, we've man. heard some pretty contentious things, and usually, I I think that it's, it's just like some agent going to going public and just trying to get a better deal for his client. But remember what happened last offseason with Petrangelo, right? Same situation, mm-hmm. captain wanting to stay just couldn't get the money to work and i'm not saying it's it, it's gonna be a repeat but i, I don't think this is just smokes and mirrors no i don't either i honestly am leaning towards see, thinking that landis will be playing elsewhere at this yeah. point uh like he will be able to command more on the market than he's going to be able to get from colorado he did like it's come out that he would take some kind of discount to play in colorado but he's not going to play for five and a half million. Like that's, that's insulting. That is insulting. Like the guys, the guys are incredible, right? Like he's the defensive conscience for that top line. I would say the best line in hockey and it's not close. Um, and he's, he's that, that defensive conscience that is able to make it uh, thrive even when they're matched up against another top line. And to lose him is huge, right? Like that's your, that's your captain. He's been your captain for, or uh, since he was 19 years old, he was the youngest captain at the time ever. And, you know, I, I really, really covet a player like Gabriel Landeskog. The guy's a horse, right? Like a 200 foot horse. He just plays everywhere. He plays everywhere. Hard, uh, big physical player, uh, with really great offensive numbers to go along with his defensive prowess. Like he's kind of your prototypical uh, captain, right? Like that's, that's what you want in a captain. And I would love to see him on a line with Bo Horvat to like, I think that it would release Bo Horvat in ways that just a third line center alone wouldn't. He, Gabriel Landeskog could take some of the, uh, the defensive responsibility pressure off of him. And then also give him a, an elite level um, offensive weapon on the other end too. So, <laughs> like like that line would not be fun to play against. Imagine like a Landeskog Horvat Pod Colson line, or uh, instead of Pod Colson, it's Hoaglander, right? Like stop, man, stop, <laughs> stop. Benning, turn this off. Yeah, <laughs> we're daydreaming are, here. Our dreams like Horvat Landeskog and. Podcos and and then what we're actually going to get is like Horvat <laughs> stuck with like Colin for the next ten years, right? <laughs> Colin and uh, Tanner Pearson. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is Canucks fans have almost 
made this a bit of a meme with like the whole intangibles off ice sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. right? But Lannister does actually his value transcends what he does on the ice. Truly, I mean, if if he does move on, the guy sort of rails in McKinnon in a sense, mm-hmm. like. If Landeskog isn't around to calm McKinnon down sometimes, I mean, McKinnon's just going to go off and turn into some kind of like serial killer in like a Tarantino movie. Like, have you seen how, <laughs> how freaking just he's crazy? He, he, he is a crazy. crazy competitor. He loses right? his cool, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like Landeskog is that sort of calming type of guy, even though he obviously can. Um, beat up ninety eight percent of the league, but <laughs> but he does sort muscle, of right? yeah, yeah take that burden of just being the guy who the media can approach in post game interviews and and just even though McKinnon's the face of the franchise, Landskog is still probably the I don't know what you what word you want to call him like the heart the soul that kind of that yeah. type of player right so, so you like I just don't know what type of number how much you can value his off ice intangibles and what he brings to the team in that sense it's big right like i I think about if colorado does have him walk i think that they're a much much lesser team for it you know and i know they've got a lot of decisions to make this summer i know they've got uh, Kale McCarr's contracts up and they need to resign him philip grubauer who is a vezina nominee uh, then you have Landis Gog, then you have Brandon Saad, then you have the expansion draft. Like there's a lot of uh, big decisions to be made there. I know the Ryan Graves decision really allows them to do like a 731 protection list, which enables them to do uh, like Taves, McCarr, and Gerard. But like there's, it's going to be a, a bit of a different looking team, uh, especially if they end up having to make a decision on who they're going to keep, Grubauer or Landis Gog. To me, you let Grubauer go, right? Like Grubauer was great for them, but he hasn't been as consistently good for them as Landeskog. He's a bit older. It's a goaltender. There's lots of goaltenders out on the market that you can go get. Maybe you can go get yourself, um, I don't know, Mark Andre Fleury on the cheap. If you're Darcy Kemper's, Kemper's been been Kemper. too. So. Yeah, like, you know, I, I think that there's some really good options out there that maybe they go after, uh, I, I still don't know how to say his name, Dreger, 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 <laughs> Dreger, <laughs> I think, I Dreger, think Dreger. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, Dreger, Dreger, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some, that, that could be an option, um, heard Holpies available for cheap. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think that there's a, a lot more options and it's easier to replace Grubauer than it would be Landeskog. So I would be quite surprised to see them go that way. But with how discussions are, are going, it's certainly not something I'm ruling out. Like I could really see Landeskog moving on somewhere. Yeah. And having 31 teams want him, right? Like everybody's going to want Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, um, I do kind of get why there's sort of a pause in terms of re-signing him at a big number for long-term, because he's he's going to turn 29 at the beginning of next season, yeah. and his game 
I mean, like, he doesn't play as physical as, like, a Lucic or a Jamie Benn, of course. But he but, does have that style. Yeah, exactly. And, like, those guys dropped off real quick. Ben, ben was still leading the league, well, like, one of the top point getters in the league until uh, the 17th to 18th season. And then in 18-19, he dropped off completely. And that was his age 28 season. 28. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how old Lannis Gog is right now. And again, I'm not saying that he plays um, exactly like Ben because he doesn't. But the history of these types of just grinding Power styles, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, they could he could drop off fast in his early 30s, which would be just in like two or three seasons. So yeah. if you are going to sign him to like a seven eight year deal at at least six, probably seven million. That's that's gonna look real dicey. Might look real dicey just even before the contract is halfway done. Yeah, I think for somebody like Landeskog, I'd be trying to come in around like a three or four year deal max. And and but then of course you do that and the cap is hit is gonna go up, right? Um the way you get the lower cap hits is by spreading it out. Uh, over seven, or if you're Colorado, eight years, right? Wouldn't it be the other way though? Wouldn't Landscott want the longer term contract, but but the team would probably want to go shorter, but more money, just yes. just like in terms of um, ensuring that he that they're not like left with an albatross contract once he hits his like early to mid thirties, right? Exactly. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're a team, any team, Colorado or whatever team poaching them in free agency you're you're not gonna want to go ideally to like seven or if you call it out eight years uh you would do it to lower the cap hit if you needed to because for you're exactly right <laughs> if you're landis you want that because that's security through uh, a really weird time in the world <laughs> for one uh plus it locks in a payday for essentially the rest of your career right um so, I mean, a seven-year deal or eight-year deal brings him to his 36-year-old or 37-year-old season. I'm sure that's probably the rest of his career, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I I would be trying to get it to end closer to his 34-year-old season, 33, 34-year-old mm-hmm. season. And that's going to cost actual dollars or cap hit up and instead to, I think that's going to go up uh because they'll leverage that and be like, okay, we'll give up years on our end, but we need more money to, to give that up. Um, and then that's kind of how the negotiations go. So I expect a higher cap hit if it's a shorter term deal, but if it's a longer term deal, I could see it being a little bit more of a, a quote unquote, sweetheart deal cap. Yeah, yeah. I think the abs would like the best case scenario for, for the abs would probably be like 7 million for four to five seasons. But then, yeah. Landeskog's probably looking at maybe even more money, but for eight seasons, maybe like a seven five for eight seasons, and then on the open market, he could probably get seven years. At you think some team's gonna op- overpay for eight million? It's possible, uh, right? I guess, yeah. Like you know, it's hard because there's so many teams that are in cap crunches that I can't imagine there's too many teams that could realistically give him both a like a contending opportunity like he has in Colorado which may factor into this as well 
you know, I'm sure the guy wants to win and wants to win badly. Uh, as well as cap and term, you know, I don't know if there's a situation that would be able to offer all three or even two of the three, you know, I think you might be having to pick kind of one out of those three options and whichever one is most important for you. I don't know. Like if, if I'm Landeskog at his age, I am wanting a long-term deal even through this flat cap. Right. Because we're talking that this flat cap could be reality for three, four, five seasons. Right. Well, that's essentially his whole career. <laughs> so, you know, he's not going to be wanting to like bridge to the end of that so that he can get paid. He's by the time that that happens, he's probably on the decline and not going to get paid anyways. Uh, so I it's tough. Like I can't even think of one team that could potentially offer him, you know, a nine million dollar deal right for any term like i can't i can't really think of one uh maybe boston maybe <laughs> after their buyouts like um maybe la if he really wants to bet on their future being super bright and super soon i yeah i've seen i think st louis has there's been some rumblings about st louis offering him like a deal since yeah. He's 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 good buddies with um Ryan O'Reilly, of course. Which is which just makes like a three team kind of Caruso, right? Because <laughs> um Petrangelo went from St. Louis to Vegas. And yeah. then if if Lanscott goes from the Avs to St. Louis, that that's two captain swaps. So then what? Mark Stone has to go to the Avs now? <laughs> But oh I don't think God. that's realistic, that would, right? That would I guess me. Flurry would have to go to the abs, right? Let go yeah, of um, yeah. Grubauer, let go of Landskog, and then get Flurry on the abs, and then just like <laughs> continue this like three team cycle between them, right? Yeah. Just like switching captains or assistant captains, and and just keep on going, eh? Could you imagine like the the uh, the COVID West Division trio, just like <laughs> the little circle of life happening over there? The funny part about that is, like, I think out of all of those teams, Colorado would be the ones that are screwed because they would essentially trade Landeskog for 36, soon to be 37-year-old Mark andre Fleury, right? <laughs> like, at least the other two, they got, like, Vegas got a premier right-handed defenseman. Um, uh, St. Louis would end up with 29-year-old left-wing horse, they could just do everything that you want. Uh, plays such a St. Louis brand of hockey. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like that would be that'd be interesting. I just for me, I don't see St. Louis as a contending team anymore. Like no. to me, they've fallen off so hard. And if I'm St. Louis, I'm looking at selling big, like selling everything, right? And it's funny because if you look back to 2019, they were considering blowing it up then. And then they won the cup and then they had a terrible season the next season and then a not a good season last year as well. And they've got the team intact. It's like, what you were so quick to, you were so close to pulling the trigger when you shouldn't have. And, and then you went on for the Cinderella run. And now two years later, after they prove what you believed was the case that it didn't work and you need to blow it up. Now you're not blowing it up. <laughs> like explode the team. Like, I would be I'd be moving everything like I'd have hell I'd have Ryan O'Reilly on the table you could get a massive haul for Ryan O'Reilly 
I don't know, right? Like uh, you could have a really fast expedited rebuild in St. Louis if you really committed to it. Yeah, I think Doug Armstrong has come out and said that he still thinks their window is open, which um, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think they're going to be a contender anytime soon. And those guys have some sneaky suspect deals on the books. Isn't Shen signed for like six plus for five, six more seasons? Yeah, I think so. Tarasenko has obviously been been rumored to be on the move, and it'll be quite shocking if he isn't traded. But that's only like a two year deal. But um, six I mean, more years for Braden Shen. He's twenty nine yeah. years old, six and a half mil per. Yikes! And then the one on the blue line, I think it was Justin Falk who was signed for like yeah long term at like over six mil as well, which is just six and a half as well. Since like they traded for him, I think at the beginning of the 2019 season when they knew that Petrangelo was coming up, and then they immediately inked him to an overbloated contract when they knew that their captain <laughs> was potentially going to move, right? Which is just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Why? It's it's nuts. Like I uh, like to be fair, I I was really surprised by how well uh, Justin Falk in his first season did. But oh, then yeah. to immediately jump in and give him six and a half for, well, eight years, right? Because now he has seven years left on his deal still at six and a half. He's 29 years old. So that's going to bring him to 36. Um, then they go out and get Tory Krug, uh, matching deal. It ends mm. at the same time. He's 30. Uh, I don't know, man. I wouldn't. I'd be looking at if I'm St. Louis, I'm nervous. I'm looking at all of this and I'm like, I'm going to be on the hook for some pretty brutal deals for a very long time. Like he, they've got, uh, they've got basically four deals that I really don't like. Um, Braden Shen and Falcon Kruger are the ones that we talked about, but Jordan Bennington as well has seven more years left at six mil. Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> are we even going to be alive in in seven years with with how the world <laughs> i mean the oceans are on fire so probably not maybe that's exactly. the st louis plan is like we'll just who cares we're bet we're gambling years that don't even exist at this point <laughs> the moon's wobbling man <laughs> the moon is wobbling i know i saw that we're screwed <laughs> so like a 28 year old a 28 year old jordan bennington for seven more years and he he already looks bad like yeah <laughs> he already looks really bad um I talk mean, about hey, a like cam the... ward effect right like i don't exactly. think i've ever seen a goalie maybe anti niemi who had like instantaneous success in his career and then went on to do like jack all with the rest of it um dude i still have ptsd wow. from from um that 2010 run that <laughs> yeah. niemi went on friggin niemi yeah but but the one good thing maybe is that perhaps Armstrong just likes these thirty year old guys who are paid six mil. So you know we we we, we got a we've couple got guys. some of them. Yeah, like Schmidt Myers. You know Schmidt Myers Holpe. You take really any take it take your pick, man. Louis mm-hmm. Erickson, he makes six mil. So. Exactly. <laughs> so trade for him, extend him for seven more years, and you're yep. set there, Doug. Come on. Uh, 
actually speaking of Louis Erickson, so I know that there's discussion on whether he will be in Vancouver or in Abbotsford. Dollywall dropping that he doesn't expect him to play in Abbotsford, uh, which is interesting. But with Abbotsford, they they obviously released their team name. They're the Canucks now as well. They released their their logo and jerseys and everything, all their branding. What are your thoughts on on the new baby Canucks, the Abbey Canucks? You know, I've I've never been a big um, well in terms of the name Canucks. Yeah, yeah. whatever. I don't. Makes I don't sense, care much about but that. Not yeah. exciting. Yeah. For the jersey, I've never been a huge jersey collector guy. Like I've only I have a handful of them, and none of them are too special. So I think it's fine as well. But it seems like you've got some. <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, I I like some aspects of the jersey. I will say mm-hmm. that. Like when my first reaction when I saw it was, hmm, like not bad, right? Like it's not great, but not bad. Um, now as I look at things a little bit closer, I'm like, I I really love these aspects and hate these ones. First off, the ones that I love, I love the striping, the A on the the sleeves, the upside down V's. Honestly, the Canucks should be doing the V's on their, on their sleeves. It's such a nod to our history. It's super cool. Uh, completely unique from any other, uh, organization and franchise. I love the V's on the on the sleeves. I think that that needs to come back. I love that Abbotsford did it. I love the green, the green jersey. Bring more green out. I there is not enough green in the league in my mind, and uh, the Canucks have this beautiful green color that they never use, and that's such a shame because we've seen like Utica use it and use it well, and and we've seen it be successful. We love the green, the logo socks <laughs> the logo is terrible um first off johnny canuck is wearing a green sweater on a green jersey green on green it's the exact same green like, <laughs> like yeah like you know when you're wearing like if you're wearing like a green shirt i'm actually wearing a green shirt today but and you do like a green screen and it's got like it on the background and it's on your chest as well and you just like book like just pink panther into the background and and <laughs> blend in. That's what Johnny Canuck is doing on that jersey. He completely blends in. He doesn't stand out at all. And I don't like when when jerseys are kind of I I think of them as shapeless, like just kind of like a running Johnny Canuck with no like circle, no crest, nothing around him to like make it seem like a logo. Like it doesn't look like a real logo. It looks like a Walmart brand jersey to me because of the logo like i i hate it i hate the logo um i i don't get like there's so many different options that they could have done for johnny canuck hell pay pay some kid to put a a better logo together to make one um instead of just going into the archives into the storage locker and finding this this old one and being like you know what why not? <laughs> like it feels like they didn't they didn't create anything. They just pieced together three different ideas that they had. They're like, we'll make a green, we'll flip upside down our our V striping, 
And then we'll take this old Johnny Canuck logo that we've never used for anything other than fashion jerseys in 2014. And we'll slap it on the front of it. And then (laughs) away we go. There it is. (laughs) Who actually decides what the team name and what the logo is going to be? I imagine Francesco. You Um, think so, right? Yeah. Like, I, I imagine, I'm sure, like, I know that they had, like, a list of names that they had debated or discussed or some kind of discourse on um i have no problem with the name i think it's fine i i don't think it ties into abbotsford as an area at all um which they could have done but you know it's fine i I don't mind the colorway i think the colorway makes sense that it would match the canucks like i know a lot of people wanted like the skate jersey colors that was never going to happen right like they they're teams like uniformity like look yeah. as soon as the the Utica Comets switched over to the New Jersey Devils affiliate all of a sudden everything's black and red right mm-hmm. like they didn't teams like uniformity in, in in that sense so you have it in the name you have it in the colors but i just i think that the jersey itself is fine i don't like the white one uh, i think the striping on it's really weird um I don't know. It looks awkward. And the jer- the logo looks really high. Like, I don't know if that's just Jim Benning's beer gut or, or what, but like the logo <laughs> looks really high to the collar to me anyways. Um, but the logo, the logo is where my complaint is. That's where my complaint lies. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I think it's really lame. I was really looking forward to, it. I was like, you know, whatever they come out with, it's going to be cool. I'm going to buy it. And then, you know, that'll be how I support the the new Ab- Abbotsford team. I'm excited that they're here uh, a lot closer for us to cover. And then that came out. I was like, never mind. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying that. <laughs> it's like, I'll wait for it to hit Walmart. <laughs> and I'll buy it for 30 bucks. <laughs> I mean, like, you, you could just, like, print out, like, a huge sticker of Johnny Canuck, right? And then just like stick it on that green shirt you're wearing right now and just call it a day done right you know what's funny about it is and a little bit embarrassing to me is like so they have the abbotsford announcement but the day before the vancouver giants release their alternates that are gorgeous by the way like the the jackhead all in gold everything's really nice so they they released that and then the same day that uh, it turned out to be like six minutes later because Canucks were 24 minutes late re- releasing their uh, their jersey. Uh, and then Portland was right on time. The Portland Winterhawks nailed it. Like their, their logo and jerseys are beautiful. Have you seen these? Nope, not yet. Oh, man. Okay, I got to pull it up for you. because So they had like the old Chicago Blackhawks uh Logo, oh right. right yeah yeah um and now they've they've switched over to uh to this as their logo so it's a hawk head with the mount mount hook i want to say mount hood um so that's a specific mountain in in washington they got the feathers on the head that's kind of the the nod to their old crest um they've inside the mountains is a w and an h for winter hawks 
So oh, like damn. right there is W and H. And then like, this is an actual, like a winter hawk. Like it's a red hawk. It's got like the white colored head. Um, I don't know, man, like they crushed it and the jerseys look spectacular. I've, I'm very impressed. Like I'm looking now at Chicago and I'm like, <laughs> you guys could come up with something like this, like something way cooler and way less offensive than, uh, and that's why Portland did it. But, you know, it was kind of embarrassing in my opinion for the Canucks to put out what they did after, after those two WHL teams do remarkably better um, rebrandings or, or Jersey logo releases. The parts of uh, parts of the uh, AHL were dunking on, on them as well. Like I saw the Stockton heat came out and we're like, yeah, we would have delayed this too. (laughs) 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 I laughed so hard at that. Like I love teams chirping other teams. Like even if it's, we're on the wrong side of it. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of fun. That that needs to happen more. Like like totally. those like Twitter feuds or or like fake feuds, right? Where like a team tweets at a, like a different team and just starts chirping <laughs> them. Those need to happen more. I mean, like, what's the downside? It's it's There's entertainment, no right? Yeah. Exactly. Your your base is going to eat it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not trying to get like if the Canucks were to pick a fight with like Calgary, what are they trying to do? Like be nice to Calgary fans just in case they might like them. They won't. They're rivals. So like poke the bear a little bit. Why not? Have some fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I hope to see more of that. But I think we're in for a very busy and exciting uh, rest of today, rest of the weekend as these expansion lists come out. Uh, obviously, a lot of different options for the Canucks if the price is right. It could end up being something, though, where, you know, after the expansion draft, there ends up being like a second market um, again, where players that weren't taken but exposed, you know, there's a lot of big names out on the market right now. And I think I think Seattle's going to be really good one way or the other. I know there's a lot of talk that uh, they've GMs have learned their lesson from the from the Vegas draft, but uh <laughs> there's going to be a lot of good players available regardless of whatever lessons that the gms think that they've learned uh from vegas so we'll see it's going to be an interesting 24 or so hours uh for the vancouver canucks we look forward to seeing what those are uh next week we have a lot to talk about so uh thanks for joining bell we'll see if any of those names that we talked about or brought up end up being canucks at the end here um who knows for sure, I don't. I don't know if my heart is going to be able to take it, Sean. So <laughs> I know I'm going to be like checking my phone constantly for, I don't know, until the deadline, until the list need to be submitted. So we'll see. If you guys, <laughs> if no one hears from me again after this weekend, then you'll know why. But. Yeah, you've had a heart attack somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see what happens here for the rest of this week. Uh, but for this week, uh, this is another episode of Point Shop. Allow me to introduce Pie Stick Vodka, a new way to celebrate victory. Gather around the glass with an award-winning, ultra-premium Canadian-made vodka. You probably won't listen 
when I say high-stick vodka has a smooth, hard-hitting taste, or that it's developed in the birthplace of hockey. You won't listen when I say high-stick vodka is a tribute to the game of hockey, or when I tell you it's distilled four times using Canada's purest mountain spring water to provide an authentic, remarkable flavor. But maybe you will listen when I say it comes in a f***ing hockey stick. Showcase your passion for hockey with our limited edition hand-blown hockey stick bottle. Whether you're celebrating victory or drinking to defeat, High Stick Vodka is better after every shot. Visit us at HighStickVodka.com. It also comes in this regular bottle. Celebrate victory. Drink responsibly. 